welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Welcome to Syosset Public Library's Turn the Page podcast. I am so thrilled to have the author Erica Lewis with us here again on the podcast. We interviewed um, Erica Lewis last year for her book, Kelsey Murphy and the Academy for the Unbreakable Arts, which was such a wonderful read. It really is like the female Harry Potter. Like it's such a cool book. It had so much Celtic mythology and magic in it. Like thank you. you want to entertain kids, adults, teens. Like it was such an entertaining read. And then recently I got to sit down and read Kelsey Murphy and the hunt for the heart of Danu, which is the second book in the series, which has equally action-packed, fun, great reads. So I am thrilled to welcome back Erica Lewis. Thank you so much for being back on our show. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. (laughs) Yeah. So I love the character of Kelsey. I think that she's just so resilient. Different things, you know, um, that she's had to go through in the Academy. And we learn a little bit more about her powers in this book. Well, she does. (laughs) Yes. She learns a a little bit more. Every, every, I feel like every, every, it has to keep progressing throughout the whole story, right? Everything has to kind of change a little bit to keep it fresh. Yes. Yes. So we found, we found it in the first book that she's a Sega and she has the power of the elements. Yes. And in the second book, she finds that she can, she sometimes she's a little bit like has trouble controlling her powers and like, yeah, well, part of that, you know, in, in book two, what I really wanted to explore without massive spoilers of any kind um is to break open the world that that they're existing in um and uh for kelsey in particular it really means for her figuring out who she is you know she had had in book one we find out you know obviously that she was abandoned and she just doesn't have a lot of memories at least you know she thinks she was you know all these kinds of things um and she has no real memories and so even though in book one, we, 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 she figured out pieces of herself and she figures out other things about herself. She doesn't really get to know the world she came from. So it was really important to me to both for her figure out who she is and this sort of, um, you know, like we all want to figure out our cultural backgrounds. So for her, it's sort of exploring this, this fantasy cultural background um, of being a Fomorian uh, and, and also uh, the world itself opening up, you know. Yeah, that I thought that that was so cool. And then she also has Athena that she has that helps her out in the series. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Did you get an inspiration from that, from like mythology of any kind? So her Fiona, her, you know, there's two kinds of families for Kelsey in this story. There's the the one that she fell into, which is her her clan and her her Fomorian background and her Sega element, her elemental den mate so to speak and then there's the team that she was put together with her sort of seal team six uh although it's a it's the fantastic four the fabulous four so there's only four um but but each of them uh are also like with all of our friends in in elementary and middle school we're sort of coming into this way of figuring out who each other are you know how to be better friends and they you know along the way 
are also trying to help her because she's still struggling, especially in book two, she's still struggling with trying to figure out um, how she feels about her father and about the situation that's happening without doing it. Um, and so, and, and her connection to him and what he's, what, what ultimately um, sort of is that her, her driving force throughout the first part of the book until, until they really figure out that something horrendous is about to happen. <laughs> So. Yes, and we're introduced, she befriends this character, Lexus, in the book. And I really yeah. thought that was so cool that you we could see from her perspective in the first few chapters. So can you tell me a little bit about like her development as a character and why you decided to like write from her point of view? Yeah, um, in, in book two, the story really becomes about the war. Um, it's less a magical school story um, and much more about about these two lands that have been in this never-ending war, the lands of winter and the lands of summer, and this idea that both sides are sort of losing hope, that it's just continually going on. And, and I wanted to make sure that, you know, in, in all wars, there's a, there's multiple sides, and I wanted to make sure that that we were seeing all sides, and, and only really through uh, these two sides getting to know each other could ultimately, you know, a potential peace someday, you know, ever be happening. So it was really important to me in book two in order to to elevate the story, um, to sort of take it out of just being about the school and the bad things that are happening at the school and make it really more about this war that was set up in book one. I, I felt it was really important to explore through someone in the lands of winter's eyes so we get both sides of the story. Um, and Lexis uh, is, I don't want to give too many spoilers right. away but the nice thing i like about her from a personality perspective is that she's sort of the antithesis of what kelsey was kelsey right. came to the school very um nervous and afraid and didn't know anything and was like you know weary of every turn she made and her powers are crazy and and lexus has grown up in this world so she comes with confidence and she comes with an understanding of what's happening and so it was it was a it was fun to kind of go back and forth in in the juxtaposition not also sort of the the secrets and spies of it all right because this is it's more of a spy thriller a little bit right. in this. it was so complex like I loved like that combination of mythology fantasy I love how you develop your characters and I thought that Lexus was definitely like one of the most like ambiguous characters and still as you're reading through the book you still don't know like what exactly is going on like her intentions throughout the story so I think you did that really well like oh thank you yeah it was always it's always really hard to know when you're writing whether you're giving away too much or too little there's always that like oh just tell them nothing and then you get to the end of the book like oh, okay wait that's too much to resolve then you go back you know it's so always with Lexus it gave me the ability to sort of drop hints which I loved being able to do um sort of what her sort of agenda was without giving away her agenda so yeah and I I loved how you developed the friendships too in this first story because we got to see a glimpse of that but like everyone's like up for the task in this one like Verona and Niall they've really grown as characters a lot and yeah yeah so I really thought Niall has the disability yes so I I love that you have a character like that in the story and like you know yeah. that it was really and you could see the development in this book too yeah, and you know it's interesting. In um, that is stolen out of Irish mythology in the sense that um, when uh, one of their kings Nuala lost his arm in a war, he could no longer be king. Right. And so it was really important. You know, I mean, it, there need yes from the representation standpoint, but specifically too, I, I this idea of a a guy having to to want to prove himself in this way because 
for him, he's never seen himself or felt that he had a disadvantage by only having one hand. He's just over always overcome everything. And I think a lot of um, young adults who are limb different in that way, they they do. You know, I've seen, I've met and talked to kids that could literally write without, you know, any hands. Um, they're amazing. So there's a, there's a, there's a resilience in him that was really important because it's kind of the resilience that Kelsey doesn't have when she first gets there is sort of the antithesis of her. She's just sort of like, you know, really out there for herself and not really a part of this greater picture that's going on. And yeah, his, his, his growth. Um, I'm actually in the middle. I'm literally handing in book three this weekend. Oh, so so me, I'm like, oh, I know where it's going. So there's like a lot of these pieces that are, uh, you know, now they're all rolling through my head. You know, <laughs> Definitely. There's so much like foreshadowing, like what's to come. And like, I loved in this book, like there was action in the first book. So definitely for readers that haven't read the first story, there's plenty of action and magic. And we still yeah. see the classroom setting in this book. And if you're a Harry Potter fan, like the the greenhouse, like the class is there, like it gives you like a different, like you don't really find a lot of books that you can like say are as good as Harry Potter, like compare because like kids are always asking me and I'm like, you definitely need to try the series because there's so many persons and different things, but it's definitely its own series and its own right. And like, well, thank you. Yeah. That gave me like that, like happy, like, oh, this reminds me of like Harry Potter, but it's like, cool. It's its own story. And like, I'm glad that we still get some of the school, but then one of my favorite parts was like the sword, like when Kelsey does like the sword practice, I thought that, yeah. that was really cool and like, yeah, about the different mythology of the swords. Like, I don't know if you can tell us a little bit about that, like how you came up with that. Well, the sword itself, um, the one thing about, and it comes really stems from many mythologies. A lot of swords are famous and have names, you know, they've been given names and I did, you know, this this particular uh, sword has, I don't want to give away too many spoilers because right. it's in three, yeah, uh, <laughs> but um, the the swords themselves was obviously something that um, we find out at the end of book one that was left for her by her mother. And the swords in general, in this particular thing there, for me, what was really important when it comes to um because I took a lot of karate as a kid and I, 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 I've taken a lot of these kinds of classes. And what I, what I feel like is weapons have to be made for the the person that are wielding them, especially, you know, when you're talking about balance and, and with this particular thing, I wanted there to also be that sort of mentor mentee conversation because um, having a, a, a mentor like coach Blackwell is, is something kind of we all dream about this idea that somebody really believes in her for the first time, right? This, this coach who's willing to do this and step up for her and really back her after having such a difficult experience her first year at the academy. So the swords themselves and the mythology put to, behind that particular sword is not, it's, it's fictitious. There are swords that come in and especially in book three, like the sword of light and different things like that, um, that definitely play a role, but this one is entirely fictitious. And so without spoiling anything, uh, it definitely has a, a godly flair to it. <laughs> so for sure. Definitely. Like, and I wonder besides the summer and winter that are in the main conflict, are we going to see more of like different areas in book three? Well, um, book three. So this was written, this Kelsey story is written as a trilogy. So right. it's not going to okay. be like five books. It's just, okay. Okay. Um, and the story arc is about ending the never ending war. So in book three, not any spoilers, um, we are going to explore another part of the other world. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> but um, 
it will it will be with the goal of of how to, can they finally end this never ending war and there's a hint of that uh in book 2 obviously they hear something that sort of explains to them how the never ending war is going to end potentially uh but the rest of it breaks apart in book 3 so yeah, yeah. How did you go about, like, I guess this is the middle book. So this was like, I feel like this is almost like the hardest one to write because I don't know if your experience, like in the series, like for you, like what was the most difficult one for you to write so far? You're finding this one, this was this one, right. Yeah. Friendly. I mean, I originally wrote the first draft all from Kelsey's perspective. And, you know, when you're on deadline, it's a crunch. And then I called my editor, like I was three quarters of the way, almost all the way through the book. And I called and I was like, yeah, this isn't working. <laughs> like in order to get to where we need to go, I gotta, I gotta break open the world in this book. Cause otherwise we're going to have five or six books. And, um, one of the things for me is, is I, I really felt like this should be a trilogy, um, in terms of the, the, the arc of it. So I, I rewrote it, but that meant sort of pulling out different story plot points and rephrasing it all and really introducing winter. So I had to, I rewrote it people are getting a book that has been very heavily paid attention to for probably two and a half years of my life. Um, this was a, a real thing to sort of break open the entire story because there are a lot of moving parts. I, I kind of equated a little bit more to Avatar, The Last Airbender. I can definitely way. see that. Or even, um, I was thinking even Percy Jackson is maybe- Kind of, except for the fact that it's mostly in Percy's perspective. It, That's and, true. The one thing I, I think that um, I loved the most about Avatar for me personally, um, yes, well, there are books about them now. So there, you can definitely read it, <laughs> but it was an animated series when I watched it. I um, I felt like Zuko's character and some of these characters uh, that were not just the Avatar had such brilliant storylines. In fact, I, I think Zuko's arc for a middle grade character is probably one of the best I've ever, ever seen. Uh, and I and I felt like, you know, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to explore everybody's backstory. Now, mind you, that means there's a lot of characters and it's it's a big world. And, you know, especially as we roll down the hill till out of book two. And I've introduced so many that when we get to book three, there's, you know, that. But yeah. So, yeah, there's so many characters, but all the plot, like the points, like, you know, like, you know, what's going on in the story and you learn about these two different lands and like the whole like what's going to happen, you know in the ascension ceremony like there's so much build up to that like too there and, is. and besides the fact that we find out about kelsey's father yes. you know being an outcast in the first story then we get to learn more about her mother in this book we do we do and we uh we do we learn more about her mother and and brona's right uh, also um and we learn we learn more about, I should say, their family. Yes, <laughs> like not to go into too much depth, but yeah, that's like um, that's we do. Yeah, yeah, and about um, about how about the bigger picture of everything going on, and also you know how Niles' sort of dysfunctional family has impacted you know obviously all of the lands of summer, but also Kelsey's life and and her clan's life, and it's it's a uh, it's got a lot of that monarch royal flair to it because of the ascension ceremony so we get a lot of that too which is uh i always have fun with that it's always you know i love to watch that stuff so. <laughs> right yeah no it was so interesting and then like i almost wondered did you um specifically look at like different parts of celtic mythology in this book that you didn't like use as much in the first story could you tell us a little bit more about that research for this book? um well the um, the way i 
step into research is I sort of research everything and then sit down to write and pull pieces that come to me at a time. So in book one, we saw um, a lot about the different, you know, sort of animal, the dens that they right. that are associated with Celtic mythology. We learned about the stone circles a little bit. Um, we learned about different sort of creatures and characters from the mythology. We learned about Skyhawk, who's actually a legendary, her uh, principal preceptor is the actual real legendary warrior goddess, teaching goddess from, um, from Irish mythology. Uh, and then in book two, we learn about things like the Stone of Destiny. And, you know, we just had a um, coronation for King right. Charles III, right? Yeah. Around <laughs> number three. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of mythology around these Stone of Destinies. And there's, there's, I have my own theories about them. But if you go to Ireland, uh, outside of Dublin, there's a place called the Hill of Tara. And on the Hill of Tara is a Stone of Destiny, which supposedly, um, which you learn about in this book, uh, cries out when the, the next monarch touches it, the, the next one chosen by the gods. Now, um, the Scottish have a stone of destiny as well. That's typically in Edinburgh Castle, Edinburgh, I should say, right? right? Edinburgh Castle. And um, for every coronation, it's brought down to England for, in fact, King Charles III sat on that stone of destiny during his during his coronation. Um, mm -hmm. My theory is that the Irish a long time ago loaned it to the Scots and it's probably sitting in it. It's probably that's the real one, but there's multiple ones sort of floating around out there. So that that specifically is in this story because we're talking about the ascension, ascension ceremony. And we're talking, uh, there's, there's a lot of things that I fictionalize. I, I tend not to stick directly to you know, um, as like, you know, the heart of Danu and, and certain things that are are, are more made up. Uh, the Fomorian language is completely yes, made yeah. up, um, stuff like that. But uh, that Stone of Destiny is, um, it's it's also sort of a, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a, it's a, it's exactly what all of them are going through in this book. They're all sort of fulfilling, stepping into the beginnings of fulfilling the destiny. Right. It's so it's so cool and interesting, like how like mythology plays a background, like you created this own world in your own right with its own, you know, functions and everything. But I'm like, oh, yeah, that that's special, like the heart of Danu and the whole the whole quest. And like we yeah. learn more about the different saying now the Fianas. Yeah. Fianas. I'm still saying Fianas. I think it's pronounced Fianna. I could be wrong, but it's Fianna. That makes sense. So. Fianna, yeah. So that's the way I go with it. <laughs> yeah, and definitely more into the different different clans, different families than we did from the first story. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and it it's uh, uh, the 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 fun for me with all of it is to try and tie it into something that's. Um, extremely entertaining at the same time of having I grew up on Star Wars and uh you know massive obsession and and so this idea of having sort of this evil dad and that whole thing you yeah. know like little things that for me really resonate all the way through and sort of combine all of these um things that I want to wanted to put into it but there's a character in particular in book two that honestly it was my favorite time writing uh Swappy Toots because he just oh you know, yeah <laughs> I don't know you know he just I there was something about him I don't know he just sort of came out of me and I was like this character is going to be my favorite <laughs> yeah yeah besides yeah I would say besides Lexus in this book like the interesting like definitely I can't pronounce how to pronounce the name <laughs> oh yeah Swappy's name 
Yeah, Swappy. Oh, Swappy. Yeah. Oh, Swappy. Yeah. Yeah, Swappy, the, yes. uh, the changeling. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I love the new characters from the story. Like, they were just, like, all, like, entertaining in their own right and, like, had their own plates in the story. So they were just really fun to read, too. I like, like, there's, like, you know, a subtle, like, like also like lightness too, because there is a heavy storyline, but it's like, you also have like, it's not like outward comedy, but there's just like, you know, a lightness to a lot of the situations going on, like the characters, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think that's just a part of the, that's the, I think in some ways that's the best part of writing middle grade is that you always want to find that happy place because in a, in a, in a view of, of, of all of us, you know, before we hit high school, <laughs> where yeah. everything feels like the world is coming undone. Um, you do try to see the best in a situation. A lot of times you do, you, you know, at least I, I growing up that, you know, nobody's life is easy. And, and when you, when you take that into account, I've, the comic relief is always important, especially yeah. if it's really heavy, you know? Yeah. Um, and I like that the chapter lengths too, it's not like overly, like, I find it's a very accessible read for like, okay. Yeah, wow. good. Yeah, I try to keep the chapters really short, even though yeah. the 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 book isn't short. Um, because uh, I actually had in book one, I was visiting a school. I think it was around here, and one of the kids came up to me afterwards. She's and he was like, you know, the first few chapters are really long, and my mom only lets me read for fifteen minutes <laughs> every night. So in book two, could you just make them a little shorter? And I was like, okay, for you, I will do my best. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that, like, not from the first book, like they were overly long, but I really appreciated the shorter chapters, like because I find that that keeps me reading, and like every chapter had its own information that was important to continue on, but it was just like that was great, like. Okay, good. Yeah, I yeah. I tried really hard because it, you know, it's when you're learning to read, you know, I feel like you kind of gravitate uh from almost like graphic novels and and uh illustrated books uh up to these books that are are longer and if you can keep the chapters shorter, it's it's uh I don't know. I mean, even as an adult reader, I appreciate chapters that aren't 25 pages long. <laughs> we have a big fantasy base of readers in our library and our community here. Oh, wow. So definitely I could see the kids like really enjoying this book in the series and the first book, like definitely to recommend to them because they are looking for the stories that like they're not, it's not like it's a perfect length too. And it has enough action. I think they like a lot of the fantasy stories that are more action packed and like have yeah. good characters and if they're looking for those kinds of books and it's like always thinking like oh I'm saying like oh I like this book I like this book and I can't think you know of a great like you know read-alike book and then this is this is definitely a great read-alike book for them and I think oh, there's a lot of interest out of it I don't know if you can give us a little bit of not a spoiler but just a hint of what's to come in the next book oh and book three book three yeah oh oh wow book three is um uh, a very uh, epic uh, ending to the never-ending war. It's it's it is about um, whether the lands of summer and the lands of winter are going to um, find a way to make peace, um, and it's going to have to be these two, you know, Fianas that have sort of started things in book two. It's going to be up to them to really have to to have to finish it. And so without too many spoilers, it is a, um, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a, um, a gut wrenching one in the sense that there's a lot of, of character storylines that have to wrap up 
you know, and have to sort of, um, including the whole storyline with Kelsey and her dad. So there's a lot of that that has to come out. Yes, they're um, still wondering about that, you know, after there's a lot. Oh, have yeah. A lot to learn. So, yes. And, and that, um, you know, a lot of what happens in book three was all the stuff that was triggered in book two. Um, so, you know, it, every little piece sort of folded in um, to, to how we get to the journey in book three, even though it's its own journey in its own right. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a little heavier in tone. I'm trying to lighten, keep it light. But it is the final conclusion. It is the final conclusion. You know, it's not the Deathly Hallows, but it it does definitely (laughs) have a darker tone to it, uh, because there's all these things confronting. So. And you said that yeah. this book was the hardest to write. Um, but did you have a favorite scene or scene that you most enjoyed writing for this book? I'm just curious. Um, what's my favorite scene? Oh my gosh, there were so many in this. I really liked writing the scene with the Aria in the Lands of Winter. Oh yeah. Um, the it was just like really that was really cool for me to sort of yeah. invent that whole world. And uh I liked uh I like toying around with wyverns. So all of the scenes with the wyverns, um, especially in the opening chapters were really fun for me because, um, you know, they're, they're kind of like dragons, but not dragons. And so you didn't really want to have dragons in the story, but uh, I love wyverns and, you know, sort of to- stole those from Welsh mythology. It's all good. <laughs> um, and uh, so those scenes, but yeah, I love the scene with the aria. And then I also really um, enjoyed writing, the scenes with in Chawa Woods with Kelsey when she, you know, without too many spoilers, but that when was she's so cool. Yeah. Discovering more about her, you know, her family life, you know, seeing people and, and herself and all the horrific things that they've been living with for all these years. So, yeah. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Whenever Kelsey like learns more about like her family and her background, like it's always like an interesting, like you always create like an interesting ambiance. Like it's hard to describe, like it just, it really draws the reader in and it's like, she's an interesting character. I feel like she's so well-developed, like not that all fantasy characters aren't, but there's something like so relatable about her. Like, you know, that I think a lot of kids, it's old teens, like they could all relate to in her character. So um, I think that was a big accomplishment. And there, there's more to come in the story. So you can see, like, can't wait to continue to read more about her and can't read to read the next book, book three. But book two is definitely one that people have to keep, go out and read. It's going to be a great read for them. Even if they didn't read the first book, you leave enough, like, you catch up anyone, even if you're coming into the story, the first time you can always yeah. go back and read the first book, but you could almost, you could read this book on your own and be able to follow what's going on and everything. Like you gave us enough from the, like from the, there was enough included in the first book in the second book that you can, you would know what was going on with the characters. So. Yeah. And for anyone who read the first book and you know, that's, that's the, I, I, also, it's like a nice, I try to do short re- reminders so that the book doesn't end up really long. Um, but um, you kind of want that because, you know, the books come out every year. And so, you know, it's it's been a little while since the first one came out. So if anybody read it right away, it's like, oh, I can't remember everything. Um, but we catch you up pretty quick. So, yeah. yeah. Is there anything that readers should pay attention to or like keep an eye on in book two that might become important later on without too many spoilers or? I think the scenes that happen in the lands of winter 
Okay. Yeah. Are probably the most important scenes that play through to book two, book three. Um, there's also, uh, I mean, there, there isn't the one thing I tried really hard to do. And I always try to do this is not to leave a book on a cliffhanger ending because that makes me a little nuts personally. <laughs> like I just want to get so long. And we tend to, in, in young adults, like YA and in other, a lot yeah, of times yeah. leave, you're like, ah, you know, how could you leave them hanging from a rope about to die? Um, so I tried, I tried to really give a uh, satisfying, not cliffhanger ending on this, but there's a slight cliffhanger ending um, when it comes to, to Kelsey's dad. Um, and those are really, fr- so the, the back third of the book is really all the stuff that's going to pl- push towards more towards book three. So. Oh, very exciting. Well, can't wait. And everyone needs to read the second book in the Kelsey Murphy series, Kelsey Murphy and the Hunt for the Heart of Danu. And what is the official release date? Uh, July 25th. July 25th? Yes, that's like- On July 25th. So yeah, everyone <laughs> go out and read Erica Lewis's new book in the series. It was so nice talking with you again about the series. Like I really love the series a lot, so. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and I can't wait to hear more. Oh, well, thanks for joining us on Turn the Page as our special guest today um, was Erica Lewis and Kelsey Murphy and The Hunt for the Heart of Daniel is due out July 25th. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me, Erica. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.